Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
until I found out something different. So this section in uh, the chapter 14 uh, of the Roman letter is very little discussed typically because it takes a lot of maturity and patience, I think, to get through some of these things, to conform to the directions that are given here. Just as in chapter 13, uh, and there in, in, in Peter, First Peter, that um, Roger read, conforming to that concerning governments and the things that they do is a real, um, takes a real effort, a lot of uh, patience, and I don't believe we can ever violate the, the uh, will of God and the things that displeases God um, regardless of who it is that makes a law that might uh, cause this to be. Yet that I don't feel motivated to, uh, typically these things aren't a problem, although they can be when we're involved in it, whether we want to be or not. But here, um, the last verse in this chapter, uh, verse 23, is I think the the telling verse. Matter of fact, I was gonna. Uh, are you able to get the uh, the RSV? Sure. I want to use the RSV as a translation. It's a little more easier to understand, I think, than even uh, the, the Youngs or even Darby. Um, in some of the, especially the way the first part of it reads. But in verse 23 of this chapter. It's kind of a conclusion, but it pretty much says everything. Sorry, it's biting me a little bit. No, that's all right. You're looking for uh, RSV. And we're in uh, yeah. we're 1323, right? Yeah. 1423. Okay. Now that verse says this, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. And I'm going to read that again. And everything that does not come from faith is sin for a Christian. So different Christians have different things that they're struggling with. Uh, Christians that were involved in uh, the occult, before they became a Christian, they struggle with that and they, they can't have anything to do with certain things to do with the occult. Or it could be uh, pagan worship, uh, idolatry, that sort of thing. 
uh, different dietary uh, restrictions. Um, there's things here, and 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 when you when you doubt when when you go ahead and eat something you you used to eat for a different reason or something, that would be that would be a sin for a, a Christian to do so because they their conscience is convicted. So this is an issue. Somehow we have to learn how to deal with these things uh, from one one brother or sister to another in a way that, that comes out right. So I think this chapter has been a real stumbling block um, for some Christians. The legalist will be offended by the teachings of the apostle because legalists want everything, every all the ducks in a row, and everybody must conform to every single thing in exactly the single uh, the same way now what other part of life do you know that this is ever possible so we have to have some understanding here and it's, if legalism or legalistic ways uh, never really work uh, that doesn't legalistic doesn't mean doing the right thing it only means that you're using legalism in all of your thinking uh, that is more to do with what you think than anyone else. But the liberal also may fall into a real snare in this chapter, thinking that anything that they feel is correct is, is all right. So they have totally misunderstood the teaching also. And it, it certainly violates the idea of... Um, the idea of sinning uh, and the idea of faith. So, because everyone's uh, evangelistic liberals uh, want to evangelize their their way of thinking, they want this to be the the way it is with everybody, and uh, the illegalists are doing the same thing. And of course, there's going to be an issue. So, why do you think the apostle wrote a chapter such as this? and named and, and, and enumerated a number of things because this is what happens. This has happened then. It's happened every, every year and every day since then right up to the moment that we're, we're sitting right here at this time. This is how it is. So in the very first verse of this, this chapter, we read... Um, 14.1. Do you want this in the Darby or in the RSV? Oh, the RSV. Yeah. I just think the language here in this is, uh, is a little easier to deal with. Um, it follows our, our uh, vernacular a little better. And it says this, the first verse, As for the man who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not for disputes over opinions. Now, if we can manage to do what that verse says, I think we're going to pretty much deal with the whole problem. One of the things that I've often realized is that uh, 
weak and strong in, in faith, the way that people uh, categorize uh, everyone, you're going to have to be careful about it because many times the, the weak in faith individual, from my experience in the church, and it's been quite a few years, um, many times they, they are promoted and promote themselves as the strongest in the faith. But they have a, weak, a weakness. Something is, is weak in, in their understanding uh, or even under, uh, knowledge that causes them to, to be weak in the faith. And of course, the, and it's not, not, a, not that they're, they have a weak faith in Jesus, but maybe a, a weak faith in all that pertains to the Christianity, which is the faith that we find there. But we are to receive them the strong in the assembly are to receive even those that have issues like that, but not to deal with or hammer them over disputes over some opinions they might have. We're going to have some different opinions, and I don't mean just things like the color of the building or the carpet or something like that. Those are opinions too, but they're not what we're talking about here. We're talking about opinions that that really have something to do with how we get along, life in, in, in general, uh, within Christianity. And, um, you know, it, it seems that over the passing of time, many times uh, our opinions are, they either grow or uh, become weaker uh, with the people that are around us, we, we learn something from different people that have certain opinions on things, and I think that's important for us to, to do. So, there will always be a stronger brother in the faith, and there will always be a weaker brother in the faith. But this is where we find the law of liberty in Christ properly lived or violated. And if liberty in Christ it doesn't mention it in this passage, but it's a concept that in Christ we have more liberty to live, to speak, to do things than you would ever have in any other way in your life. Now, you would think that's, that's not right. Um, there's a group that we don't use this vernacular anymore, but the idea of uh, people living as libertines. In other words, really, I think it really means they violated the, their liberty. Uh, and most of them are not Christian either. So, uh, matter of fact, I doubt that they would ever be. So, this idea of liberty in Christ, I think, is, should be understood. The law of liberty, which there is a law in liberty. Uh, that the apostles taught. And this is it. This is really the issue right here in this chapter. Um, yes, liberty in Christ may allow us to do or to eat or to say things that uh, others may object to. But still, it exists. And we're to accept each other um, because even through it, 
okay? Now, there was disputes over opinions. There's a passage that uh, every now and then I'm challenged on, and I believe it's in 1 Timothy, about Timothy is uh, exhorted by the apostle to, to warn the people to not argue over words. Well, I find myself talking a lot about certain words, not really maybe arguing, but certainly making a big point or reference that a word needs to be understood. Um, but you can present the truth of it the best you can, but if you go beyond that into some sort of argument or calling or, ex or ex trying to excommunicate someone because they don't agree with you, that is where we fall into problems and we can't do that. So just because um, uh, we can do these things, we need to be careful about what we do. Because even though a person could, could be, and I take the idea of uh, alcohol, a person can, can drink uh, some alcohol or wine is a good, a good point. It's um, good for the stomach, it's good for the digest, things like that. Um, and yet, to do so in the presence of a brother or sister that has a drinking problem and encourage them to do the same so their stomach will be uh, benefited, would, would that be a useful thing to do? Or could it be a harmful thing to do? There, that, that's a real simple case. But it, there's a lot more things involved than just drinking. It can be any, any different thing. We have to be careful that our liberty doesn't do damage to someone else. Uh, it's as simple as that. So this thinking, I think, needs to be understood within the, the congregation. Uh, and all of those within the assembly. Because remember, uh, according to what the Apostle is giving us here, we are to be pleasing to God and, and approved of God rather than our own desires and wants or our own opinions. Uh, we can have our own opinion, but uh, we need to be careful about it. So let's look at the next uh, couple verses, uh, verses 2 through 4. As it goes on, it says, One believes he may eat anything, while the weak man eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who abstains, and let not him who abstains pass judgment on him who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the master is able to make him stand. Now, I, I think that's pretty 
pretty easy language to understand. Um, now here we're talking about things that maybe on the surface we're not, it's not talking about, but as far as eating meat, uh, people that were involved in idolatry uh, 2,000 years ago, it all was around the eating of certain meats that had been dedicated to certain um, spiritual entities, uh, demons actually, um, and that was all part of it. And those people understood it. When they became a Christian, they realized these things were not appropriate for them. So they, many, many people might just decide they're not going to eat meat anymore. They're going to eat only vegetables or something of that sort. And the thing is that people on both sides of the issue, the ones that will eat anything, start criticizing the ones that won't. And the ones that won't eat anything also want to stand their ground and say, you shouldn't be eating that. <laughs> because don't you know people uh, offer uh, meat and sacrifices to, to demons? So you, you, see the, you see the problem. This is the idea of, of the opinion. But there's a little more to it. Because I believe it's in First uh, Timothy, the apostle uh, writing to Timothy says that all, all food has been given by God. And the food that has been given by him and, is, and, and that we ask a blessing over is approved. So obviously it's not any of the food that's being eaten, the meat or the vegetables, or, but it's, it's our, our opinions and our experiences that come into it. And I think... I think a Christian, most, most Christians, I'm sure that we should all be willing to let someone eat the way they want, if, if they feel that way. So we may question our brother's actions or his ways, but never, I think, to judge them over a matter of opinion or conscience as far as that goes. Because that enters in here. God has welcomed all those in Christ. In other words, all of our brothers and sisters that have obeyed the gospel, they are in Christ, they are the, but they are not our clones. We just have to get over that. It can't be that way. It isn't that way, and it never was. That's right. They, God has welcomed them. They are... Not our servants, but God's servants. You know, we might have something to say to somebody who is our servant or employee or some in some way responsible to us for their, all their actions. We may have something to say there, but not in not in not in the not in the faith. In the faith, our brothers and sisters are not our servants in any way. They are servants of of the Lord and His Father in heaven. Shall we judge God's servants over matters of opinion? Now, we all will say, no, we, we, sh we shouldn't, and we, and we won't. But sometimes we do. And when we do, we need to understand that that's, we're stepping out of line.
He will stand because his master will be with him and will allow him to stand, as it says in the scripture. Yeah, his own master, that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the master is able to make him stand. So, when our brother or sister has a weakness, when they're weak in the faith in one way or another, if they're petitioning God to help them in that weakness, then, friends, I think we have to understand that uh, if they are willing to accept help from him, that they will have help in it. Maybe they'll, they'll be able to put aside some of these things. But it's not for us to simply demand a date and a time when you're going to give up your opinion. Because you'll find that uh, you'll find you'll get a lot of uh, argument over that. Nonetheless, I think the apostles' teaching is pretty clear here. Now let's just look at a couple more verses here before we close. Chapter 14, verses 5 through 9. And what does it say? One man esteems one day as better than another, while another man esteems all days alike. Let everyone be fully convinced in his own mind. He that observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. He also who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while he who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. None of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Well, that issue of days, the continual argument over days, can, you know, can we just to quote a text that other people have said, can we just do as we have been taught by the apostles on this? So, many people have days such as, well, we could pick it out, Christmas. You're going to find a lot of Christians in certain places will say, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because, number one, it's not his birthday. It's not in the Bible, on and on. And, and do they have a point? Well, yeah, the day, we're not saying the day is correct, you know. We're just saying we've picked a day. That's really it, isn't it? Um, I heard a man talk an hour on, he tried to prove the fact that, uh, he tried to prove the fact that Christmas, or the birth of Christ really was on December 25th, as we call it. Well, (laughs) Francis, there's just, it, that's probably, it probably is not. really can't deal with it uh, that way. But yet, the idea of taking a day and, and celebrating it because it was the birth of the Messiah, 
I, I can't criticize that. I think we need to take advantage of it because in the world we live in, you'll never have a better opportunity to talk about Jesus than around Christmas time. And people actually start thinking about it. Now, some people never get past the baby in the manger, but, but then again, they have a good opportunity to do it through the scriptures. Okay? So observing days, uh, if it's in honor of the Lord, if uh, we eat things uh, in, in the same way, either eat or abstain, and give thanks to God because of it. And he gets, the apostle gets right down to the brass text, none of us lives to himself. None of us in Christ live to ourselves. That's what he's saying. Remember, he's talking to Christian people here. Now, somebody who's not a Christian can read these words, but they have to understand this was written to people within the church, Christian people. So uh, this is a concept that we need to understand. We are, when I was a boy, we, was, we were taught that we were blood-bought. We were twice-bought. We were twice uh, the property of God. We were born, we were given life by God, and we were given new life through Christ. So we were twice twice bought, if you will. And we, we don't live to ourselves. We live. We live to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we do all in honor of the Lord. And if we do these things, unless they're so far-fetched that we really need somebody to help us out of making a, a silly mistake, um, that, that's another issue, and we can do that. In verse 7 and 8, we must live and die to the Lord, for we are his and not our own. And I think we forget that sometimes because we're so responsible for ourselves and our actions we're even responsible for other people uh, when they're, especially when they're young and uh, and needy and things of that sort. Um, we forget that we really are not our own. And as we're considering that, uh, it brings us back to the reality of it. For the Lord is master of the living and the dead. The quick and the dead, as the uh, King James says, the quick being the living and the dead being the dead. Um, but he is the master of, of all, both. So, until one can truly understand the place of Christ in our lives, and I think this is what's important, what place does Christ have in the life of, of, of a Christian person? That's something we need to be aware of for our own personal understanding. If we, if we do, not, do not have that awareness, we will not be able to become obedient to the apostles' instructions here in this chapter or any chapter that we read. It'll be very hard for us to do so. Uh, let's look at Acts, uh, Acts 2, verse 36 to close. 
Every time I read this verse, I, I can just picture the Jewish people listening to the Apostle Peter and the other apostles speaking and saying these words because this is the truth of the matter. This is who Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, truly is and how it occurred. And he said to the Jewish people this, Assuredly, therefore, let us, let all the house of Israel know that both Lord and Christ did God make him, this Jesus whom you did crucify. And those words were so powerful and what Peter had said before that the people their hearts were, were, it says they, their hearts were pricked. They, were, they felt the pain in their heart. And they asked Peter, what shall we do? They needed a way to overcome the, the guilt and, and what they had done. Because the apostle was very clear here that he, Jesus of Nazareth, was both Lord. Now what's Lord mean? Lord means owner, despot. The owner has, is a despot. They have the power of life and death. That's what Lord means. And Christ is the Greek idea of the Messiah or Savior. So he is both our owner and our Savior. And God has made him so. That's who Christ is. And if that's the case, and if we really, I think when we settle that with ourselves, you know, Jesus is not just a historical figure, a man, a miracle man, uh, a man that had good morals and all these things. If that's who Jesus is, then, then he is not your Lord and Savior. Because there are a number of people that have lived lives very similar to that. So I would suggest you reread this chapter and chapter 13 over a few times and try to pick up the, the weight of it because um, these things are these things are difficult. These things are difficult, but if you really look at it close, and especially if you've been in the church for a long time, you recognize the the issues brought up in chapter 13 and 14 concerning dealing with each other and dealing with the world that we live in. Um, if, we, if we can't do it, if we're not able to deal with the world we live in and, and, and deal with other Christians, what does that say? And what are we going to do? So we need to consider that today, if you would. And because uh, of the temperature in here, I hope I can stand up now. <laughs> My legs, I feel like icicles. <laughs> but hope these things will be useful to you today. As we sing our uh, closing hymn here, How Great Our Joy.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.